And good morning to you. Welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, which is brought to you by Mizuno Golf, Reach Beyond, by Club Car, the global leader in golf utility and fun personal vehicles, by RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic coming up soon, giving back to our communities, by Bridgestone Golf, play the ball that fits you, and by Sea Palms Resort. Join today and improve your short game at the Miracle Practice Facility. Today on the show, we're going to talk with Global Golf Post's CEO, Jim Nugent, on how important Rory's 20th victory was for him and how a third-place finish for Ricky Fowler could have been even more important. Then we'll talk with Tom Abbott of the Golf Channel, Mercer grad, by the way, about his time there and his feelings about the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits and the upcoming 2023 event in Italy. Our first guest is Jim Nugent, CEO of Global Golf Post, an online free pub that comes out every Monday. Every Monday. Good morning, Jim, and welcome back to the show. Glad you're with us. Rich, good morning, and thank you very much for having me on today. It is always a pleasure, and it's always fun to kind of talk to you about some of the things that I get asked about a lot. And is One of them is, how important was this 20th win for Rory after his poor performance, according to him, at the Ryder Cup? I think it was very important. Um, it, it enabled him to finish the year with a kick and and go into next year with a little bit of momentum. He's He's been kind of lost in the, the desert, really, for a while. We, we just haven't heard a lot from him. We haven't heard a lot from him, especially in majors. Um, yeah. This is uh, arguably the most promising young golf professional uh, in the game at, at one time. And now he's, uh, you know, 30 years old. He's married. He's about to have a child. Um, and he's not in the conversation like he used to be. So it was uh, an important way for him to make a statement at the end of the year. And hopefully it kickstarts uh, uh, the, set, the back end of his career beginning uh, next year in 2022. Yeah, I was reading in your pub about uh, Ron Green's uh, article on Rory and saying basically, which is true, he's underachieved the past couple of years, kind of, if you will, been in a slump. You know, he he exploded on the scene as, as a youngster. He famously uh, flamed out at the Masters and the, the first time that he got a taste of, of major championship golf. And then very quickly uh, won a bunch of majors. He's on the precipice of uh, winning the, the the Grand Slam of golf if he could ever win the Masters. Uh, but really, I, I, I have to agree with Ron. Uh, we expected so much more yeah. based on what he did in his very early twenties, uh, and he just hasn't uh, met our expectations. He's made a, a boatload of money, and he's won some tournaments. But I think Ron's correct. It's it's just not what we all thought was was coming. Do you think, uh, Jim, that sometimes winning a lot of money, getting a lot of endorsement deals, kind of takes the aggressiveness out of your game, and you kind of just sometimes go through the motions because it's not necessarily about the money? You know, I think it works both ways. I think for some players, uh, having that kind of comfort, knowing that, you know, uh, you're, you're still going to be able to pay your bills if you don't play well because you right. got a lot of the bank. Freeze some athletes up and, and, and they shoot for pins and, and, and there's a carefree attitude about them. For others, it does take a little bit of the uh, competitive edge off and 
gives them maybe a level of comfort that they didn't have when they were up and coming. So I think it can cut both ways. Um, and with Rory, it's hard to say uh, which way it did cut, but it, it would appear uh, from afar that uh, it, it, he he got a little bit too comfortable yeah, and, and maybe didn't put in the time and the effort that he once did. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, I heard him say, I mean, he was disappointed at his play, very emotional at the Ryder Cup, and then he said, I just need to be me, play golf my way. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, Roy's like a lot of other players. He, he's His ears are too big, and what I mean by that is that he's got a lot of people whispering in his ear, you should do this, you should, you should try this. I think Roy's best when he closes those ears down and he just goes and plays golf. He's such an instinctive player. He's such a great field player. Just ignore what the media is saying. Don't listen too much to instructors. Just go play golf. Yeah, and that's uh, you said something interesting. I mean, uh, when you kind of go through the motions and you're and 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 you're trying to correct things that may not need to be corrected. Many of the top golfers, Tiger included, um, Jordan Spieth, uh, Ricky Fowler again, we'll talk about him in a minute, but a lot of these top golfers win a lot, make a lot of money, and then all of a sudden start to tweak some of the basics, and it doesn't work for them. No, we've seen that time and time again where uh, it, it, it especially happens oftentimes with athletes, uh, golfers, when, when they change equipment. Uh, they take a paycheck from an equipment company uh, because they've achieved some some level of success, and all of a sudden they've got to relearn uh, their equipment, uh, their clubs, yeah. the ball, how the clubs and the ball relate to each other. Um, it, 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 that may be the case with Rory. He was uh, a longtime Titleist player before he uh, changed his equipment uh, several years ago. That may be a factor in, in what he's been going through. Um, but I, I think Rory was very, very spot on when he said, I just have to beat me because Rory being me is really, really good and maybe the best in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, when he free swings, especially on his driver and his iron game has usually always been good. Putting, you know, obviously you have a good day putting. That always helps. But um, it just seems like he's been um, not as free with his swing um, like he used to be. Hopefully that comes back after this win. I, I, I agree with you. And, and for him, you know, tee to green, I'm not sure there's a better player right. in the game. For him, it's the short club. It's the flat blade on the greens. When he putts well, he can't be touched. When he doesn't putt well, he's just very, very average. Yeah. All right, lots of controversy this week. Uh, you talked about it in your publication on the USGA RNA rule on the length of the driver. Um, your thoughts on that? I think it's much ado about nothing. I agree. Um, I agree with that. So they, they, the USGA in its press release said that the percentage of people that are playing drivers longer than 46 inches is, is minuscule. Uh, I don't think this is a, a, a big deal. I think there's much more to come yet as it relates to the regulation of golf clubs and golf balls. But I think this one was kind of a, a non-issue, despite the fact that a certain left-handed player who uh, has made a boatload of money over his career and is now 51 years old, uh, wanted to make a big deal out of it. Why do you think he wanted to make such a big deal about it? I mean, it, it 
uh, he obviously drives the ball well. I mean, was it just trying to make a big deal out of nothing? If he's not in the conversation, he's he's not uh, happy. <laughs> so it was just a bunch of do about nothing. Gotcha. Uh, but it, you know, if they did allow those drivers, it would only affect a very you know ten percent of the players that are usually in the field. Not even ten percent, Rich. A much lower percentage than that. It's really these long, long uh, shafted drivers are part of the long drive circuit, right? Um, and, and those people are not the people that uh, you and I and your listeners watch on television on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, whenever I go take a lesson, uh, my coach usually says, get closer to the ball. I don't need to be farther away with one of those long drivers. Yeah, I, 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 I've never tried one. I, I have no either. desire to try one. Nope. I can't imagine trying to, to swing something that's 48 inches. I, it just, <laughs> it, it's over my pay grade. <laughs> it's over my capabilities. Come on. Um, what do you think about the Bones JT announcement? And, you know, JT splitting with his uh, caddy, Jimmy Johnson. And um, I, I, I love that Bones is back. And what a great choice to go back with JT. Well, you, you know, if you're going to pick a player, you can't do a whole lot better than Justin Thomas. No. Who, you know, uh, still, I think, has many, many players. Uh, victories and major championships in front of him and, and is an outstanding young man with a lot of character and an awful lot of game. Um, caddies and players parting ways, it's just, it's it's part of it. JT did not have, by his standards, uh, a good year, even though he won the Players' Championship. His instructor is his father, so he can't fire his instructor. <laughs> right. He wanted to make a change, and so once again, the the guy on the bag uh, 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 took a fall. I, I disagree with you on one, one respect, though. I'm, I'm not happy about this because I thought uh, Bones was a wonderful addition to uh, television coverage. He had a point of view that he wasn't afraid to express. He had a vantage point o- over all these years that was remarkable, and he was able to share that with television viewers. So I think it's a loss for us as fans, but probably a good thing for Bones and a good thing for JT. I agree with you on the announcing. I think him and John Wood have just made a great pair of being on the golf course and giving their perspective uh, from a place that they have been many times and what might be going through the golfer's head. Um, does this fact that Bones has come back with JT uh, kind of put another question mark to him and Phil splitting up, do you think, because Bones said his knees were bad and he do- wasn't quite sure that he could do that again for a long time? I don't think we'll ever know the, the, the real story Yeah. about Phil and, and Bones. I think it was a cumulative situation uh, over a long period of time, uh, and I think it went uh, beyond uh, the relationship with Phil. I think there were family issues there that uh, also came to bear on, on the situation. So we'll never know. Um, and to their both of their credit, neither of them are talking about it, and life moves on. Yeah, but it's still, uh, you know, people gossip. They love to hear the real story, and sometimes even when they say it, we're not sure that it's the real story. That's right. That's right. All right, Jim, we've got to take a quick break, but we're going to come back with Jim Nugent, Global Golf Post CEO, right after this on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Please stay with us. I'm Blair O'Neill here with Cobra Puma, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Show. 
And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're on the phone with Jim Nugent, Global Golf Post. Uh, Jim, we were uh, talking about Bones and Tiger, and let's talk a little bit about Tiger. Uh, what can you tell us about the new Tiger Woods design course that's going to open up at Pebble Beach? Um, the the short course, the hay course? Yes. He took, uh, at Pebble Beach, just uh, out, uh, across the street from the pro shop, there has always been a, a little nine-hole golf course uh, called the Hay Course, H-A-Y. And it, it, it really kind of didn't fit there. People didn't use it. It wasn't really community-based. It was just kind of there. And uh, Pebble Beach retained Tiger to go in and uh, fix it, really, and turn it into something that could be a real community asset uh, and, and have some appeal to um, kids. Uh, not so much guests of the resort, although that's certainly a trend that you're seeing that places like Bandon Dunes and Pinehurst have advanced nine-hole courses that uh, people can play for or after they've played uh, 18 regulation holes. And by all accounts, Tiger went in and did a spectacular job. The conditioning is, is brilliant. Uh, the, the views of, of uh, uh, the, the area are spectacular. Apparently, he gets uh, two thumbs up for his efforts in, in revitalizing what has uh, historically been an important asset at Pebble Beach. Yeah, uh, I was just finding it very interesting that he was uh, out there doing that. Uh, the PGA announced, uh, and you and I kind of talked about this before, the $40 million uh, PIP program, and then announced that they would not reveal what tour players won and the order of which they did win. Your thoughts on that? You know, it's one of those areas where the tour, I think, uh, can't get out of its own way. Um I don't know how you announce a program like that and then don't tell fans uh, who won how much. I agree. Um, it's, but it's, it's not inconsistent with how the tour behaves from time to time. Uh, they, they never discuss uh, penalties uh, or, or fines for uh, slow play or for misbehavior. Um, from time to time at the PGA Tour, there's just not the kind of transparency that you'll find in, in some other leagues and other sports. Yeah, it kind of seems like uh, if you look at it, uh, the way that you and I feel about this announcement of not announcing, it likes they want a lot, but they don't want to give out a lot. Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it, they, they, they march to the beat of their own drummer. Right. Uh, I have a great deal of respect uh, and admiration for the work that uh, Jay Monahan does, but I don't agree with uh, all of the policies and, 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 and some of the things that the, the tour does. Uh, not, not so much as it relates to their treatment of the media, but just uh, communicating with their fan base. Yeah, and I was, um, uh, you know, looking at, and there was obviously an article who people are basing their opinions on what they think on this PIP program. Many think that Tiger obviously was the leader in that. Uh, but also there was, you know, talk of Ricky, Phil, Brooks, Bryson, I'm sure the feud or the whatever they call it, uh, also was on the list. Um, it just seems like they're rewarding their top players for uh, talking about what's going on in everyday life and what maybe not be going on in their personal life. Who knows? Well, there's no question about that. This is aimed at the, the truly elite players, but the truly elite players, and, and, and we're going to hear more about this in the, in the next several weeks to come, 
are are the target of a potential new tour that's emanating from Saudi Arabia. And uh, you know, going back to Palmer and and, and Nicholas and Player and, and down through Greg Norman and Tiger, the the truly elite players, the top four or five in the game, have always felt that they haven't gotten enough credit, enough recognition for for what they bring to the pro game. And so this was an effort by Jay and the tour to assuage those top four or five really elite players, uh, encourage them to engage with fans and, and be more forthcoming, but also to keep them uh, on the home base and, and not be looking around to go play on a, a, a new upstart tour. Do you think that these players are actually looking over their shoulder to kind of see what the Saudi Arabian tour is going to bring next or uh, what they may add to the package in order to entice them, and do you really think it has a chance of getting any of the elite players to come and play their events? Well, to answer your question in the short run, no, I don't think it, it has a chance of, of uh, attracting any of the top players because the tour has made it clear if you go and play this tour, you are banned for life from the PGA Tour. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, any player is willing to... Uh, you know, it's the equivalent of investing in a startup company. It might work, it might not. You're going to take a chance, but on the PGA Tour, you don't have to take a chance. You're established, and you can play golf well into your 40s, and then if you want to keep playing, go play the Champions Tour. So at the moment, I don't think that anything's going to change. But I do believe that the Saudis are serious. I do believe they have a long-term vision. I do believe they have a lot of patience, and I do know that they've got a lot of money. Uh, so it's they're going to be taken seriously, but I don't think at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, bottom line on the PGA Tour being banned for life, I mean, let's just say, for example, that Brooks Kepka decided that he was going to go. Do you honestly think that uh, Jay Monahan and the Tour will stick to their guns of saying you're banned for life, or would they ease it later on? I know it's hard to tell. You're just kind of making you know, an opinion or a thought. Um, but do you think that they would stick to it about not letting them back? Absolutely. Okay. Without question. Okay. All right, big question. I know this is a biggie. Do you think Tiger will play again on the PGA Tour? I can't, I, I don't have an answer to that, and, and I don't know. And, you know, the Tiger camp is notoriously quiet uh, Nobody said a word, but I do have a scenario, and this, this is my own, and I, I, I'm, I'm not on a soapbox about this, but I could see Tiger Woods trying to, to rehabilitate his body and coming back and trying to win the United States Senior Open when he turns 50 to become the first player ever to win four USGA major championships, the U.S. Junior, the U.S. Amateur, the U.S. Open, and the U.S. Senior Open. And wouldn't that make a, a fabulous story? Um, and, and then maybe he says, thank you, it's been great, I'll see you later. Yeah, um, interesting scenario, and uh, it makes sense. Um, what, what, who do you think is in the discussion for Ryder Cup captain for 2023 in Italy? I've heard Tiger, I've heard Phil, I've heard Freddie Couples, uh, Zach Johnson, um, who knows? Well, the, the scenario that I 
and I'm not close to it, so I really don't know. And, and, and very few people are close to it and know. So anybody that tells you that they know what's going on, um, check, check them at the door. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> the, the scenario that I've heard that makes the most sense is this, that they want Mickelson and Poulter to be the respective captains, um, not in 23, but in uh, 25, I guess it is, at Bethpage in New York City. Um, Interesting. And and therefore, it looks like Zach Johnson will take a one-term stint um, uh, in 23 when it's played in, in Italy. Zach was an mm. assistant captain. He, he's highly regarded in, in the circles of people that, that make these selections. So I, I think it's it's kind of a stub year, if you will. It's, it's kind of bit, bit, bit between captaincies, but that also presumes that Phil doesn't align himself with this this uh, coming new tour from Saudi Arabia, uh, because if he does, I'm quite sure that his Ryder Cup captaincy will vanish immediately. Hmm. And why do you think Phil's interested in the Saudi Arabian thing? It, it can't be for money, or could it? Well, at the end of the day, it's always about money, isn't it? Um, yeah, I guess. You know, I, I had a theory advanced to me the other day by somebody who's pretty close to the tour, and it's an interesting one. I, I, haven't, I don't know if I agree with it, but I'll share it with you and your listeners. Phil Mickelson spent the vast majority of his career in the shadows of Tiger Woods. Uh, he was always the next guy. And if he were to align himself and become the champion of this proposed new tour, he'd be breaking out from that shadow of Tiger Woods and doing something that, that he thinks is important and maybe meaningful for the game of golf uh, and doing it on his own. Don't I don't you... know if that's true, but I'll go back to my original statement. It's kind of always about the money. Yeah, and don't you think, is it the money is not enough in the Champions Tour where he's won three out of four? Is that not enough of him to to be the guy that everybody's talking about now on the Champions Tour, now that Tiger's quite a distance away from even being there. I, I think, uh, you know, it's been a nice run in his early days on the Champions Tour. I think he, he would find it to be really boring. Okay. Um, you know, it, he, he's winning too quickly. He's winning too easily. I think he would get bored and say, well, this, this isn't any fun. I also think that he's got a television career. Most people in golf believe that he's got a television career in front of him, that he could become the next Johnny Miller. Hmm. Interesting. That's not going to happen if, if he aligns himself with this proposed new tour. So he's got a lot a lot on his plate to digest right now. Yeah, wouldn't it be interesting for Bones to go back to Caddian and then Phil to go from playing golf to taking over what Bones was doing? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. PGA show. What do you think it's going to look like in January? I've heard... And I've talked to a couple of manufacturers, uh, one specifically, and I won't name it, who says they're not going. They will not be at the PGA show. Um, and they said they know others that are saying the same. Well, I, first of all, I do believe that there's going to be a PGA merchandise show in January in Orlando. Yes, I agree with you. Provided that you know, conditions don't flare up and it gets really weird in, in January with, with COVID. Um, it's going to be a very different show, be a slimmed-down show, both from a exhibitor participation base as well as uh, a, uh, an attendee base. 
Um, it's a bridge to 23 when I think the PGA show will, will remake itself. Yeah, there's all kinds of stories about which manufacturers are coming and which aren't. And, and the PGA of America or I'm, PGA of America and the exhibiting company Reed haven't said who's in and who's out. Right. The company themselves are being very closed mouth about it. But there will be a show, and it, it, it just isn't going to look anything like it once did. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It'll be interesting to see. I'm planning on going, but not sure what I'm going to find when we get there. Uh, Jim, as always, thank you for being with us. I appreciate your openness, frankness, and sharing your opinions. Uh, have a great weekend. Rich, thanks for having me on. Have a good day. You Cheers. too. Our next guest coming up is Golf Channel's Tom Abbott. We're going to be talking to him live from uh, London. Uh, but we want to talk to you live about if your kids have a birthday party, what are you thinking about? Try something different at CJ's Italian Restaurant in the village across from Parker's. They can have their own birthday party where they make their own pizzas. They decide what they want in them, whatever that is. And Graham and the staff will sit there and they'll make the pizzas and the kids will eat them. And then they also have elementary school specials where the kids come up and the schools come up with a pizza that they like. The kids help with that. And if you go in and order one of those, part of the proceeds goes back to those schools. Always great to help the community. Family-owned and operated business. Most of their food is made in the kitchen from scratch every morning, including the doughs, the breads, the sauces, dressings, toppings, and the list goes on and on. Very, very easy to order. All you got to do is call them up, go online, check out their full menu, and when you go and pull into one of the special spots right in front of their location, across from Parker's, you will be able to pick up and they'll see you come out, bring your food. It's that easy. Check out their full menu at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. This is Carter Collins, head men's golf coach at Georgia Southern University, and you're listening to the Back Down Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest is Tom Abbott, a Mercer grad and currently in London and working with the Golf Channel. Uh, good morning, Tom, and uh, welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. It's great to be with you. Thanks, Rich. I did not know you were going to be in London, but uh, it's uh, afternoon there. It is just past uh, 1.30, yeah, afternoon. Saturday afternoon in London. And guess what? It's cloudy and a little chilly. No. Yeah, I know that's shocking. <laughs> and probably Orlando, it's sunny and probably 85 degrees. Yeah, I think it's pretty warm in Orlando. I'm going to Orlando next week, so okay. I'll get some sunshine. Yeah. All right, after Mercer, you know, you were in TV a little bit. How did you get the job with the Golf Channel? Well, I think you need a lot of luck in television. I certainly had a bit of luck um, during uh, during my time you know, on my road to Golf Channel, but I worked in Virginia for a year after I graduated Mercer. I worked in a, a small television station in Charlottesville, Virginia, which was a beautiful part of the world and learned a lot about uh, television. And uh, I then went to work for Golf Channel at the time. They had um, a channel in the UK that aired, uh, it was broadcast from Orlando, but it was it was airing in the UK. And so it was quite a good fit for me. And I went uh, to work primarily on the, on that channel, doing a bit of work behind the scenes and a little bit of work on air. And then uh, quickly over the first uh, several months, um, I really wanted to be on air full time. And it just kind of worked out for me. Well, you played golf at Mercer. And did you decide after college that 
golf was not going to be a career, that you thought television was where you needed to go. Obviously, that's what you did, decided to do. But um, did you not think golf could be a career? Well, I, I mean, I suppose I had a pipe dream in the beginning that golf could be a career in terms of playing, but that was uh, quickly quashed, I think, when I came to America. I just <laughs> didn't hit the ball uh, far enough. I was far too inconsistent. Um, and I sort of quickly discovered that uh, that college golf was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. But, it, it you know, it, it worked out very well for me. I got into doing TV and media at Mercer and um, and sort of scaled back my, my golf. Uh, learned a lot about uh, living in that part of the world and uh, met some really good people. And uh, and the golf down there is, is great. I mean, you look at some of the courses that we had a chance to play. I mean, uh, very different than what I grew up on here in the London area. Yeah. Um, the, but, it, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, the golf courses are uh, quite different from where you are now and to where you live in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the game... Um, is very much in the air and carrying the ball a long way. And that was not something that I was used to here in the UK, certainly not in the summertime uh, when the courses are firm and fast. It's, it's not really about how far you hit it. It's about controlling the distance. But I think over there, um, certainly when the golf courses are soft, you know, distance is such a big key and carrying the ball in college. I mean, the college golfers hit it the farthest of any of the players, you know, in terms of yeah. if you look at Corn Ferry, PGA Tour, it's the college guys that seem to hit it the longest, maybe not if you compare them to Bryson, but um, but those guys hit it a long way. And I think that college uh, game was really beginning to take off in terms of distance when I, when I started in 2000. And since then, the distance game has really taken over in that uh, in that sphere. Yeah, and I didn't hit it very far. That was the problem. <laughs> well, that's one of my issues as far as not trying to make it on the tour too. So I told my putts are usually farther. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> so you've covered the LPGA, which has been quite an honor, I'm sure, for years. Um, how has that tour changed over the years since you started covering it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think it was pretty international when I started covering it. Um, I started full time really on the LPGA tour in about 2010, so I've been out there 11 years now. Uh, it was it was always a pretty international tour since Sari Park came onto the scene, and and that really opened the floodgates for players from Korea. And I think there were there were, you know there were players from Europe that were always sort of uh, hanging around over the last 30 years or so. Um, but I think now it's it, it went through a really rough patch when I was first starting out, you know, after the 2008 downturn in the economy and the LPGA really struggled, they, you know, they were, right. they were in trouble for a little while. And I think since then, it's just bounced back slowly um, over time. I, I mean, I think the structure of the tour has changed quite a bit. The fact there are five major championships now, uh, the Evian, um, the Amundi Evian Championship becoming a major, you know, there's going to be a change with what was the ANA inspiration, the one they play out in the desert where they jump into Poppy's Pond, that's going to be moving to Texas and uh, Chevron is taking over the sponsor. So that's going to be a big change. But I think over the course of the um, my sort of time out there, the major championships have, have really developed and that's continuing, you know, um, with what I just talked about. But the KPMG Women's PGA has been a huge change for the tour. They've put a lot of money in. They're taking it to the great courses in the U.S., and then AIG, the insurance company, is sponsoring the AIG Women's Open, which was the, the Women's British Open. Right. And that's being taken to some of the best courses 
um, in in the UK and potentially Ireland in the future. So, you know, I think that is one of the biggest changes. And the money, you know, there's more money out there. Um, we're gonna, the, the LPJ is going to play for 1.5 million first prize at the end of the season here in a few weeks' time at the CME Group Tour Championship. That's a big yeah, deal. They did, huge. They did pay for a million back in, what, like 08, 07, I think. Uh, when they had the ADT championship, and that was a big deal, but then that went away. So CME coming in and putting up big money at the end. So, you know, financially it's changed for these players, but there's still a long way to go with uh, some of the smaller events that are kind of being left behind. I think that's one thing that the new commissioner has to work And your comments about the new commissioner, I mean, what state do you think the LPGA, I know Mike Wan has left it in great shape. Have you had discussions with the new commissioner about what her ideas are as far as where the tour is going? You know, I've met her a couple of times, but only sort of in social settings. The first time I met her was actually at the party to celebrate the win for the European team at the Solheim Cup, which is not really the best place to uh, meet a new commissioner um, at sort True. of midnight. Yeah. But she was there, um, you know, obviously celebrating with them and, um, and uh, you know, wishing them all the best. But we were, you know, we, we were at a party together. I, I, it looks like I only go to parties, isn't it? But um i was at a, at a function um in portland and, and had a brief chat with her there but we haven't really talked about anything seriously but i think you know she she has a lot to learn i think she will say that you know the first uh part of her her tenure is going to be learning the tour she's come from collegiate athletics which is very different than right. running a major sports league i mean as you know in georgia college uh, sports is huge and but it's a very different way of doing business and you've got a lot of uh, backers and donors and, and alums that really want to be involved and obviously this is so different when it comes to the LPGA which is a is an international uh, organization with money coming in from all over the world um, so I think she's gonna have a lot to learn in the beginning and then it'll be a case of shaping her legacy and what she thinks the tour needs to do um, and, and a new television deal which is starting next year which Mike Wan negotiated along with the PGA Tour. So she's inheriting uh, a television deal, which is always a little bit awkward for a commissioner because they can't really control the language of that contract because it's already been set. Right. Um, and then and then dealing with sponsors and, and, you know, renewals and all sorts of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that, uh, that, that the public doesn't really see. Um, and those are very difficult. You know, you, you could have a couple of sponsors that want to pull out and you've got to try and negotiate them staying and, and all that sort of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff is, is really, really important, and she's going to be learning the ropes there, I think. Well, I hope that. Uh, I'm sure it'll work out, uh, but it's probably a good thing that Mike Wan negotiated the contract, being that she came from collegiate to now negotiating TV contracts. Probably a good thing. She'll probably learn some things, as you said. She's going to have to uh, go through some education and some firsts for the first 18 months, it seems. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, and also uh, the staffing. I mean, I, you know, as we all know, when, when uh, the leadership of an organization changes, they sometimes want to bring in their own people and make changes within the staffing. So right. I have no idea what's going to happen on that level. But, you know, as we all know, and I'm sure people at the LPGA are fully aware of that, uh, that could happen. So, um, and, you know, who knows? I mean, I, it's it's going to be very interesting, but it's definitely a learning curve. It's a huge step up for her. But she's a good golfer. I actually saw her playing in the Pro-Am at the Cognizant Founders Cup 
And uh, she's got a great golf swing. You know, she's played golf since she was very young, and, and it really shows. And that is a, that's a big boost, I think, for a commissioner of a golf um, organization, a golf tour, uh, to be able to play golf is, is pretty important because you're going to be able to go out and play with sponsors and feel comfortable out there and, and there are going to be times where you're going to be under the spotlight doesn't mean you have to be a pro right or, or you know playing great golf but in actually be able to get it round and and not have any issues and and that's very apparent with her game so i think that's going to be a big plus for, uh, for molly do you play in any of the pro-ams tom to show your skills from mercer there was there was a time rich where i i played a lot and i was getting a hard time from my colleagues they thought i was playing too many pro-ams um and that has scaled back actually i don't get yeah. invited as much anymore but um i'm gonna play in the pro-am at the cme group tour championship the rolex pro-am down there so that'll be fun and I've played in that every year for the last several years. I did play in the BMW PGA Championship Pro-Am at Wentworth uh, on the European Tour, which was a, the scare, actually one of the scariest um, experiences I've had in the game. There were about 25,000 people watching because there were a lot of celebrities in the field, uh, you know, local sort of um, celebrities in the UK. And... And I hit a person and a car, not with the same shot, I should add. Okay, that's uh, good. And it was a BMW that I hit, which is good, I suppose, uh, in keeping with the sponsors. But it was so intimidating playing with the, you know, all those people lining the ropes. But it gave you a great perspective of what the players have to deal with. And, of course, they don't see it. You know, their, their focus right. is right, right down the fairway. They right. don't even notice the galleries. And I was very lucky in 2009 to play in the Dunhill Links. Um, which is a European tour event played over uh, Carnoustie, Kings Barnes, St oh, Andrews, and the yeah. Old Course. Yeah, so I was I was very lucky. I partnered Miko Illen and the Finnish player there. Well, we're going to have to take thing. a quick break, and you know about breaks, and we're going to come back with Tom Abbott of the Golf Channel right after we talk about Mizuno Golf, has always had the best irons in the game, and with the JPX 921 series, they offer feel and performance to suit players of all skill levels. The new STG 220 driver offers maximum adjustability with a combination of three tracks and two movable weights. You can complete your bag with our brand new T22 wedges featuring three finishes, four unique sole grinds to improve your short game. Check out all that is new at Mizuno at MizunoGolf.com. Nothing feels like Mizuno. Reach beyond. Hey, this is Claude Pope, owner of Bald Head Blues clothing brand out of Bald Head Island, North Carolina, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're on the phone from London with Tom Abbott of the Golf Channel. Uh, Tom, you've had a great opportunity in this business. I mean, you, you do LPGA. You've also covered some of the majors, all of the majors, obviously. Um, but you were included in the Olympics. You were in some of the discussions, and then you had a chance to, to be there. How was that for you, knowing that the Olympics accepted golf back in 2016 after uh, maybe a century? Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was pretty special to, um, to be there. And I had not been to an Olympics before. I was really disappointed that I didn't get to go to the one in London in 2012. I was working at the time and, and you know, it was just too busy. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go. Um, and so I had never been to an Olympics, and I think what really stood out to me it, it was a celebration of sport. You know, it was a, it was just a great celebration of athletes and the best um, at their particular sports all around the world, all coming together. 
um, and all of these sports happening at the same time. And I don't think we, we don't really get that sense when we're watching on television. It's just about, well, you know, I want to, I want to see who wins the hundred meters. Right. Or I want to see who wins the swimming. You don't really get a sense of how much it all sort of works together uh, when you're there. And, and golf being part of that was, was very special and, um, and it worked well. I know a lot of the men didn't, didn't go in 2016 for, for their own reasons, but the, the women supported it almost 100%. I think there are only one or two players that chose not to go who were eligible right. in 2016. Um, and then again in 2020, I mean, that was just a very difficult situation. I didn't go to Tokyo. I was in Stamford, Connecticut, where a lot of our Olympic production is, um, is based and will be for the upcoming Winter Olympics as well. So um, being part of that operation was, was amazing. I mean, the amount of effort that goes in behind the scenes is right. incredible. Um, and it all comes together, yeah. Well, one of the things that you got to do was one of my favorite shows was The Big Break. And um, uh, Kip Henley is a good friend. I've talked to him many times. Uh, character, uh, see him here at the RSM caddying for various players that he's worked with. But uh, that was just one of my favorite shows. I was sad to see it go, but I was also sad to see sometimes what the directions it was going with the NFL. It, it kind of broke from what I thought was popular, you know, with the amateurs and these characters um, uh, Don Donatello and uh, so on. Uh, what are your thoughts about Big Break? It was a great show. Do you want it to come back? Can it come back? Will it come back? It can come back. Will it come back? I don't know. I mean, okay. I think it was quite a surprise to everybody that was involved when the decision was made to, to <clears throat> excuse me, to not do the um, the next series. And we were all kind of gearing up to to get ready and. Um, and go off and shoot the series and then they decided to sort of pull the plug um and you know i think that there is some appetite for the show to come back uh certainly from the public um and potentially from uh, from nbc i mean I, that's always something that is discussed but will it happen i don't know i mean i would love it to to happen i would love to be involved um you know it's it's something that's talked about but uh, getting it all together and 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 financially making it happen especially at the moment during covid i think that might be quite tough but uh yeah. but who knows in the future but yeah it was it was great to be involved and as you say you know we took it down some different roads the nfl show we really thought would be a great success and it was a good show but it didn't really rate as highly as uh, right. as we had expected um you know and one thing with with golf channel is that people want to watch golf you know they they, they want to watch golf and they want to hear from golfers and and uh, we've, you know, the channel over the years has tried many different things with celebrities and and trying to make it, you know, to a wider audience. But at the end of the day, I think it always comes back to the core, the core golf fan, and uh, and serving that golf fan is really what we do best. So I think, as you say, the shows on Big Break that were about golf and those characters trying to play golf uh, were the ones that were the most successful, and they were the, they were really good fun to be, you know, be part of. And we went to some amazing places around the world. Yes, great you did. Memories. Yeah, you did. I mean, one of the things I think that y'all made decisions about was not only their golfing ability, but sometimes, and we've got about 30 seconds, was their personalities. Um, we all know there's odd personalities out there in the golf world, but you guys did have a few that I liked. Yeah, and we, we tried to marry the personalities and the skills. You know, some yep. producers wanted the, the great golfers and others wanted 
the real characters and it was a battle behind the scenes and uh, when they got it right it was always a great show. Tom can't thank you enough for taking time on a Saturday afternoon in London uh, thank you and uh, cheers. Yeah good to be with you. Tom Abbott Golf Channel Mercer grad uh, can't thank him enough and also our other guest Jim Nugent CEO of Global Golf Post publication you get free it's great publication on Mondays just send him your email. Thank you for being with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, heard every Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPN Coastal from 8 to 9. We'll see you next week on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.